promises of God. Amen. The trust in God's ability to say something and then know that he will follow through with it. Every single song today has kind of run into that theme. Amen. I want to trust in the promises of God and know that I can be confident in that. And so today on a Sunday morning, we are going to sing a hymn that reflects that as well. Praise God. Give us some kind of introduction, Brother McAllister. Standing on the promises of Christ, my King, through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. Howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God, I shall prevail. I'm standing on the promises of God. Oh, yes, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. promises of God standing on the promises I now can see perfect present cleansing in the blood for me standing in the liberty where Christ makes free I'm standing on the promises of God oh yes I'm standing I'm standing standing on the promises of God my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong core, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. I'm resting in my Savior as my all in all. I'm standing on the promises of God. Oh, yes, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail, 
When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail I'm standing on the promises of God Oh yes, I'm standing I'm standing I'm standing on the promises of God My Savior Standing, standing Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Having done all to stand, stand. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 14, verse number 12. We'll read one verse that comes out of a narrative or a story, and then we will take our attention basically on a life that made the statement thankful today to be here in the house of God. It's Father's Day, and I'm thankful for every father, but I'm also thankful for men. When we talk about Mother's Day, we're talking about the influence and impact of ladies and mothers, and when we are here on Father's Day, we're talking about the impact of fathers and men. Praise God. So whether you are a father or not, you matter today. And if you are a father, <clears throat> we thank you for that endeavor and that example. Praise God. Joshua chapter 14, verse number 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And for a few moments here today, I want to speak to you about give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, give me this mountain. Whatever obstacle it is, whatever mountain it is, let's have the attitude today of Caleb. Give me this mountain. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. The first time we meet Caleb, Caleb is the individual that is speaking in Joshua chapter 14 and verse number 12. The first time that we meet Caleb, the people of Israel are camped at Kadesh Barnea. That's an oasis in the southern Negev desert south of the promised land. They have made their way out of Egypt. They are gathered in that southern portion. It has only been a year or two since they have come out of Egypt. The people have seen many miracles in that time. They saw the Red Sea opening. They saw water come from a rock. They were able to see manna to feed a multitude. They fought the Amalekites and won. Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and destroyed the golden calf. They've seen all of these things. They ratified the covenant. They built the tabernacle. They constructed the Ark of the Covenant. All of these things that would make them a nation, essentials of their nationhood under God as their king had been established. And it was now time to enter into the promised land. 
Ladies and gentlemen, by way of introduction here today, I'm thankful for where God has brought me from. God brought them out of Egypt and he brought them to this particular place. They were standing at the threshold of entering into the promised land. It is not enough that God brings you out of something and then leaves you in an oasis in the desert without you ever entering into the promised land. There's a promised land that we should step into. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. I'm thankful for the power of God, the miracles of God. But I'm not just going to stop there. I want to step into the purposes of God and the kingdom of God so that God can use me. What's stopping you today in the house of God from stepping over into the promised land? God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I'm not here today under duress. I'm not here because of coercion. I'm here because I recognize there is nothing greater than the kingdom of God. I don't want to follow the dictates of Egypt and the world, but I'm thankful to be in the house of God here today because I recognize there's a little heaven that touches earth and it's called his kingdom and his work. They've seen all these miracles. They've come out of bondage. And so now it's time to enter into the promised land. This is where we meet Caleb because they send in 12 spies. Caleb was one of the original spies. At that time, he was 40 years of age. He was a recognized leader of the tribe of Judah. It was one of the largest of the 12 tribes. It's also connected to worship. When we say Judah, we're talking about a tribe that as their identity was worship. And Caleb was a leader of that particular tribe. Moses said, I want to send some into the land. I want you to explore it. I want you to scout it. This is interesting because we think maybe they just went into the land a little bit and came back. They went from Dan, which is the southern part of Israel, and they, they took a straight line along the mountain ridge all the way up to the northern part. So from the southern part, the Negev Desert, all the way to Dan, which presently is at the Syrian border. So they went through the entire land from the bottom to the top, and then they made their way back. As they made their way back, one of the last things that they saw, one of the first things they saw and one of the last things they saw was an impressive city of Hebron. It was a walled city. It was perched on the crest of a mountain chain, about 3,000 feet in elevation. It was an ancient city. And when the spies saw this particular city, it sobered them. For it was a strongly fortified city, and in that city lived a, a group of descendants called the Anakim, and they called them giant men. They were very large individuals and warriors. When they came back to give their report, they brought huge cluster of grapes, the fruit of the land, on a pole between them. And when they gathered together, they talked about the abundance of the land, and they said, it does flow with milk and honey, but the ten spies other than the two, Caleb and Joshua. They became clearly frightened by what they saw in this land. They said, their people are powerful. Their cities are fortified and very large. We saw descendants of Anak, and we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. This was the days in which Caleb entered into grasshopper days, a mentality that said, they're too big, the cities are too fortified, 
occupied. There is no way that we can take the land. They never even mentioned God at all. All they were operating on was their fear. But there were two individuals that every time they spoke, they said, Yahweh is with us. We can take the land because God is bigger than any giant. This is a land that he has brought us to. We didn't come out here without any evidence of his power, but his power has shown to us he can lead us through the Red Sea. He can lead us out of Egypt. He can bring water out of a rock. He can feed us from the air. And if he can do that, he can bring us into this land. We're not operating out of fear. We're operating out of confidence and conquest that there is a power in God. We can do it. This was a bad report. And as you know, negativity and a bad report is contagious. By nightfall, this negative assessment had spread throughout the camp, and it was infectious. At night, the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Women were sobbing that their husbands would be killed in battle and their children would be left fatherless. And by morning, the men were ready to rebel, select another leader, return to Egypt because they were operating on fear and unbelief. But there were two individuals by the name of Caleb and Joshua that said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. The land that we pass through is exceedingly good. The Lord is pleased with us. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, and God will give it to us. We should not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid, but trust in God. Do not be afraid of the giants, but trust in God. Notice the positive attitude. Notice the words in which God is on their lips. They said we can do it because God is bigger than any obstacle. God is bigger than any walled fortified city we can take it I'm telling you there is an attitude in the world that operates today on fear and a negative report but I've come to you happy to tell you that there's a Joshua and a Caleb that says let everybody else do what they want to do in their negativity but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord hallelujah we can Take the land. We can have revival. Because God has established it. These were the grasshopper days. Joshua and Caleb, two against ten. Ten that influenced an entire nation. So much so that the fear was the prevailing factor. And without a united faith... They were doomed for failure. That unbelief resulted in disunity and rebellion as fear and unbelief always produces. And the Lord was angry with that people and vowed that none of them of their generation would enter into the promised land, only Caleb and Joshua. I want to hit you right between the eyes here today. I know you came for Father's Day, but what do you want your generation following you to be like and live like? I'm not here just because of my own self-interest today. I'm, I'm here because I know there's a generation that follows me that needs to know that truth is valuable. 
I worship here today not for myself, although I enjoy worshiping God. I'd rather worship God than be strung out, doped out at some con concert, worshiping some idol at a ball game somewhere. I'm not interested in that stuff, but I am interested in worshiping God. I'd rather be here and worship God for myself, but I also want my children to know this is the best thing going. This this is the life worth living. There is a freedom and liberty you're not going to find in other places. I want it to translate to them and to their generation. What are you doing here in the house of God today? What are you after? What I'm after is a generational transference of revival. Praise God. I want my kids to know what it's like to worship God and not feel weirded out when the moving of God takes place and happens. Sensitivity to God's spirit and anointing. Come on. The Holy Ghost is the best thing that you could ever, ever find. Praise God. The spirit of God that flows is the best thing that could ever happen. Get that victim mentality off of your shoulder and out of your mind. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not because of what they did and they did and they did. All of us could resort to that kind of thinking. I'm here today because I want to be here today. There have been things come my way that I haven't been happy with, but I'm going to overcome those obstacles and put a positive spin on it until instead of getting all negative and walking around with a woe is me attitude. You'll never make anything of yourself with that kind of mentality. The tin had that grasshopper mentality. But Caleb said, we can do it. That led from grasshopper days to wilderness days. Fear prevailed. It's memorialized in Psalm 95, and later it's quoted in Hebrews 3, 7, that God became so upset with a, a generation that he said, you're not going into the promised land until your generation dies off. Can you imagine Caleb and Joshua walking around for an entire generation, still trusting in God, wanting to pursue the promises of God, but just looking at all the people drop like flies, still waiting for their opportunity. Praise God. If we want revival, we can't have a negative report, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we got to have a positive report. Caleb and Joshua are different. They're the exceptions. They have faith and they have obedience in God's directions. And the scripture said that God says, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Caleb follows God wholeheartedly, with complete fidelity, holy. He is a possibility thinker. Caleb is a possibility thinker. All things are possible. I'm going to walk into the future, but I'm not going to be alone, but I'm leaning on the strong arm of God. There were grasshopper days. There were wilderness days. Finally, we come to our passage of Scripture that we read. It's the promised land days. And Joshua brings the children of Israel into this land. 
Caleb is identified as that legendary spy leader from the tribe of Judah 45 years previously. And as Judah's tribe's spokesman, he addresses Joshua, his old comrade in arms. Joshua, of course, knows the story, but Caleb repeats it again for the sake of all others who were only children at the time, 45 years. He says, now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb said, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years of age when Moses sent us from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed me wholeheartedly. And so he says in this passage of scripture, he says, give me this mountain. It is on full display, as he said, the Lord promised me. Notice that he includes God in everything. The Lord promised me 45 years ago. Here I am at 85 years of age, and the Lord promised me. I am still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to the battle. Now give me the hill country or give me this mountain. Every statement, he includes the name of Yahweh. He includes the name of the Lord. The Lord promised. The Lord promised. The Lord is helping me. It is a powerful faith. He wanted Hebron. Why did he want Hebron? I believe that the first thing Caleb saw when he went in was a mighty fortified city of Hebron. The last thing he saw when he came out was a mighty fortified city of Hebron that he'd waited 45 years. So when he went back into the land, he wasn't looking for the easy space. He was looking for the most heavily fortified part of the promised land. Give me Hebron. I thank God for individuals and people who are diligent in their walk with God. They don't take the easy way out. They don't take the low road. They're willing to cross any mountain, go through any desert, climb through any hills because they've got a determination in their heart and life. Things may not be easy, but God is with us and he promised us power and ability and victory. And so I'm going to trust in God. I want the mountain country. They said we look like grasshoppers. They'll probably say to me now, I'm 85 years of age, but I've waited 40 years. I'm coming back to the same place and I want to fight the biggest and the baddest that this land has to offer as a testimony to God that an entire generation, they they were lax in their duty, but I'm coming back into the land and I want the hill country. The Bible says that Caleb drove out the three Anakites and it names them. Why would you name a giant? Goliath of Gath, in this case, Caleb drove out Sheshai, Ahimon and Talmai, descendants of Anak. The reason why is because it was significant. 
We often think of David fighting Goliath. We don't often, and many times we think of this young, ruddy boy child fighting Goliath. How about this? An 85-year-old takes down three Goliaths because he's got a determination and he is trusting in the promises of God. Listen to me, it's Father's Day. We don't need weak men and weak fathers. We need strong fathers that are willing to lead. They are not acquiescing their duty, but they are stepping up to the plate and saying, we live in a feminized Western hemisphere that is turning the world on its head. Somewhere there's got to be a man that's Steps up and says, I'm going to be a leader in worship. I'm going to lead my home. We are going to live for God. Giants are what make legends. You only name great opponents. These giants are great enemies with great reputations to match. But Caleb fearlessly drives them out. Praise God. I'm concluding here today talking about the leadership of a man by the name of Caleb that recognized there was a battle to fight for his wife and for his children. And he had to wait 40 years. But when he had opportunity, he stepped in admirably. I've picked up a book recently entitled Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All is Lost by an individual named Michael Walsh. And in conclusion, using Caleb as an illustration, an example on this day, Father's Day, I want to read to you some of the excerpts from this book. The writer says, war is at root a masculine engagement undertaken on behalf of females and children in large measure to win and protect the former and to ensure the survival of the latter. A truth not lately much told or acknowledged, children once the future of a society are now seen in the right-thinking quarters of the post-industrial and sumptuously feminized West as a burden, both economic and social. Women are regarded by some as fully capable of holding their own in any contest with men, whether mental, emotional, or physical, without any distinction or allowance. I want to say to you today that there's a big distinction between men and women, and God designed it that way. I'm not saying that women can't step up and become individualized, but I am saying the scripture is very, very clear. God designed you, put it in your DNA that a man was supposed to be a man and a woman was supposed to be a woman. And it has to do with society. The sexes are different. A country whose women lose their virtue and whose men lose their nerve soon vanishes into history. We've got to have men that have the nerve, Brother Powell, to step out and walk the aisles. 
We need elderly men to walk and we need younger men to run. We need to all be on the same page that what our world needs is some strong individual masculine men spiritually that say there's a battle that must be fought. There's a generation that is coming. I've got to protect those around me and I've got to protect the future. I'm not talking about testosterone dragging knuckle draggers that choose on rocks and think to be a man you have to be a Neanderthal. I'm talking about men that know how to pray and know how to worship and know how to lead their families. The biggest stinking lie that I think I've ever heard that has caused much confusion is just because a man maybe doesn't measure up on the scale as a 10 over there with somebody that looks like he comes out of the pro-Cragman man days is somehow not a man. You listen to me. You're a man if you love God. You're a man if you worship God. You're a man if you trust in God. You're a man if you follow the scripture of God. I don't care if you fish and hunt. That doesn't make you a man. What makes you a man is you say, I'm going to be an individual that leads my family. every man is a petitioner, a lackey, a slave, and every woman's a whore. The country is finished. This is a brutal notion and one that our fastidious times do not want to entertain. Surely the argument goes there must be a better way to resolve human disputes. Diplomacy talking is said to be war by other means, but in reality, war is diplomacy by other means and far more dispositive. When has a major conflict been settled by high-level talks and a peace process? He's talking about history and he's talking about masculinity. He's talking about wars, but I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about history. I'm talking about spiritual battles that must be fight. It should not be the ladies that fight the battle. It should be a man that leads in the battle. It should be a Caleb that says, give me this mountain up for this challenge. Masculinity is an extremist lethal. Males fight. They fight for both the present and for the future. The enemy who's killing them now in the moment of combat may well, will fall to one of their sons. Attempts at profound cultural and historical change the transformation of men into women and women into men at will on a mere say-so, that is as audacious as it is insane. The profoundly ahistorical, anti-cultural, and unscientific assertion that something as elemental as biology can be altered on a personal whim is something unique in human history. It's a new thing. Autonomy without God, indeed the replacement of nature, nature's God, or God himself by mere humans who have abandoned their sense of the transcendental and substituted instead a perverse desire to abjure the evidence of their own genitals in the pursuit of a counterfactual 
We live in a crazy world, crazy world. You need to hear, men. You need to hear from me, from this preacher in this pulpit today. You are doing what God desires you to do, and that is to be a child of God and to be a man. And to lead. Nature abhors a vacuum. When there's no leadership, there's a vacuum. The writer says, why do they fight? Why do they fight? Why do men fight? And, and for whom is it worth dying? They fight for themselves. They fight for their brothers in arms. Therefore, they fight for their women and children and for their country, which is the expression of the family. Without women, there are no children. And without children, there is no future. And without a country, there is nothing but the tribe, the family, and the self. That's speaking from a historical perspective, but there's a spiritual application. If men don't fight for the faith, if men don't stand up and fight for their women and for their children, there's going to cease to be a church. Thank God for somebody like Caleb that stepped. He said, I'm, I'm 85, but I'm still ready to fight for the things of God. Give me the hills of the giants. Give me the absolute most difficult task because I'm up to the task of trusting in the promises of God. Praise God. I'm thankful for men. I'm thankful for fathers today that lead their family in worship, that lead their children in worship, that bring their children up to the front. And those children are around them as they magnify and lift up their hands and worship God. Thank God for those kind of fathers and thank God for those kind of men. Thank God for elderly men that step out. Praise God. They may not be able to run, jump, and swing from these lights, but they step to the front with their hands uplifted because they recognize the value of leaving an example to future generations. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I'm speaking to every father today. You need to make your home a godly place. You need to make worship a principal priority so that there is an opportunity for a future generation to know what it is to feel the power of God. As we stand in this sanctuary today on this special day with these special individuals. Praise God. Trust in the promises of God. Trust in his faithfulness. Praise God. I wonder today, I know this is completely out of what you might have expected, but I wonder if there's some men in the house of God today that would step up to this front and say, I want to be, first of all, I want to be a man. I want to be a father, and I want to be used of God to lead, to be in the forefront, to say, give me this mountain. The rest of us, as they come, I want you to lift your hands, and I want us to pray together. Lord, we thank you and praise you for an opportunity today of seeing a gathering of fathers. Praise God. A gathering of men in the house of God. Come on, we're not operating based on the culture that is around us.
That is the antithesis of what God has called us to be and do. Hallelujah. But God, we want to stand before you with clean hands and a pure heart. As they begin to sing this morning, let's pray for each and every one of them. God, let your anointing be upon them. Let your power be upon them. With all the difficulties that come their way, I pray that your anointing, your anointing and your ability goes with them. Every decision that they make, every step that they take, Lord. Hallelujah. Let it be infused with your ability and your strength. I'm trusting in you, Lord. Trust in the doesn't have a family here. He doesn't have a father here. I asked him what his situation was. There's like seven people living in a small apartment. He was walking down Jewett Street some years ago, right here, Jewett, toward the old building with three of his friends, high school boys, no gang affiliation. They were just he said we were coming home from watching a football game with some friends and we were going to Food Max to get some snacks when somebody rolled up and filled him full of bullets and he still has some of the he still has some of the gunshot evidence in his body he said Davon what in the world he said I don't know I said, well, I want you to know that I'm so happy to see you come here. Whatever I have to do, whatever I need to do, I want to be somebody that supports you. What do you want to do with your life? Where are you wanting to go? What's, what, 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 what are your goals? What are your aspirations? What are your dreams? Praise God. Thank God for, for father figures that that were a father to the fatherless. Somebody reached out and, and, and you became that example to them. Men, men, men just willing to, to give an ear. Praise God. 
We got work to do. Praise God, we got work to do. We live in a world in which the father has been completely decimated, taken out of the home. We got fathers that are lazy. We got fathers that, that are not stepping up to the challenge and task. Praise God. But look around you today. Look around you. Thank God. Thank God for some men. That it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a struggle. And we're all human and we all have our own weaknesses, but I'm going to trust in God. Praise God. I'm not going to acquiesce my duty. I'm not walking away from my duty. I'm not chasing pipe dreams and gold at the end of the rainbow, but I'm just in this thing. I'm a real man living real stuff, real talking, and trying to help a generation know that you can make it. You don't have to buy into the lie of the world. There's a God that's got a confidence in you. Praise God. Amen. One more time, lift up your hands and let's rejoice and thank the Lord together. Lord, I thank you and praise you. Hallelujah. I feel your anointing in this house. Praise God. Help me to reach out beyond myself and beyond my own family to reach out to individuals that have not what I've been privileged to have. I pray and ask for your strength and your anointing, Lord. Praise God. Help us as men to be in altars to pray. Help us as men to lead in prayer. Help us as men to lead in worship. Hallelujah. Help us as men to be faithful. Praise God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Happy, happy, happy Father's Day. God bless you. We will see you tonight in the house of God. Have a great day today with family and friends and people that are close to you. Take the opportunity before you may not have an opportunity. Say how much you appreciate them. God bless you.